Sandra Ray, we're so delighted to announce to people that we've started a podcast right. on relationships. So this is really our first one uh, on relationships. We did one yesterday on A Course in Miracles, but this is the first one truly on relationships. And you wrote this article called The Three Steps to More Love in Your Relationship. So can you just tell us um, how you came up with these? The, the steps are choose peace instead of conflict. And then the second one is forgive everyone to be free. And the third one is use your breath to transform your life. Can you just comment on the first one, choose peace instead of conflict? Yes, I came up with this idea after a discussion with you, though, <laughs> and what works in our relationship. So choosing conflict-free uh, relationship is the first step that a couple should make that uh, agreement at the beginning of their relationship. A lot of people don't think you can have a conflict-free relationship. They think bickering is normal, arguing is normal, so they don't even have the reality that it's possible. And the problem is they don't realize that anything is possible, right? And of course you have to be enlightened to have a conflict-free relationship. And each person in the relationship has to be willing to clear their uh, anger and their upsets and they have to go for a solution. And the problem is the ego is addicted to conflict. So you do have to process your ego and that, that's a spiritual matter. So that's the first step, is the couple has to make this agreement, then they have to process their ego, and they have to see that it's a spiritual thing to be able to live without conflict. Now there are ways to solve conflicts that our Master Babaji has taught us that are very simple, and one can learn this. I think I mentioned in the article um, one way to solve a conflict is that you have to uh, both agree that you're going to go for solution to any problem and that you're a team. And you put the conflict outside of yourselves and you look at it together. You don't put it between you and fight about it. So would most people be in a tug of war when there's a conflict? Yeah, they both want to be right and they want their position to win. So they have to give up their positions, they have to give up the need to be right, and they have to agree to go for solution. Now how do you find a solution? There is a game we learn called the highest spiritual thought game and it's really fun to play actually and what you do is you figure out what is the highest thought you can come up with for a solution to this conflict or this problem. Now the highest thought would be the one that's the most positive, the most loving, the most productive, and it feels the best in your body. So the way you do it is you sit down with your mate and you each start saying what you think the highest thought is and you keep going for higher and higher thoughts. And whoever gets the highest thought, it isn't like they win, but it's that they channeled it so the, the mate who's got the lower thought gladly goes up to the higher thought. So it doesn't matter, like if you and I are having a debate on something, we don't care if you get the highest thought or I get the highest thought. But if you get the highest thought, I gladly go up to your thought. And this would be a thought you would both agree on. It would be a thought that you both like, and you keep going till you get one of those thoughts. 
then the game is over and you don't have to keep arguing anymore. Now, it's a simple technique, but, you know, people forget to play it. I teach this everywhere, and sometimes uh, people learn it, but then they forget to play it because, as I said, the ego is addicted to conflict, and it doesn't like easy solutions. So you have to be willing to have your life be easy. But this game is actually fun, so if people try it, then their life works. So, I mean... Most people have tendencies or bad habits that they get stuck in, and sometimes these bad habits are what plug their mate in. So, I mean, I'll just use myself as an example. Um, sometimes I feel like in overwhelm with all the work to do on my desk, and then I get a little irritated when things come in and pile up. And we've had discussions on this before. And so how, how would you um, help someone in a situation like that uh, play this highest thought game? Uh, I would sit down, in your case, with <laughs> I would sit down with you and say, well, how can we make your life easier? And we think of all the different ways, like, okay, can we afford an assistant, or can we find an assistant that does a trade? Uh, do you even want an assistant? Um, could you give the work to someone else? Could you schedule your life different so you didn't feel pressure by taking breaks every hour or so? And you, you know, talk about all the different uh, possibilities, and we keep going, you and I, till you come up with the thought that works for you, that you like. Yeah, I think uh, we've had this discussion, and what we've arrived at is uh, it's good to prioritize and to put those things that that are uh, the priority at the top of the list and do those. I mean, you can only do one thing at a time. I mean, men are, are more or less one one pointed. You know, they're maybe they don't multitask quite as easily as women. They're more of a one-track mind. So for myself, I just prioritize, and I put the important things at the top. And then I know that I can only do one thing at a time anyway, so I don't pressure myself to think, oh, I've got to do 20 things at once, or it all has to get done today. As long as I'm doing the most important thing on the list, I think that's kind of what we came up with, right? Right. For, for this list. solution. Make a list and prioritize. Yeah. And, and like... The list should uh, be the things that are kind of hard. Maybe you should do first and get them over with. <laughs> yeah. But also, I think we have to have fun in the actions that we are doing. So that's kind of a, a thing that I've taught myself that um, even if it's a big pile of things to do, I only need to do one at a time and I can have fun or I can have joy in doing each thing that I can check it off the list. Right. If you think about all the things you have to do, you do get overwhelmed. But if you just do one thing at a time, which is all you can do, and you enjoy that, that is the solution. Yeah. So I think this choosing peace instead of conflict, it's one of the most important things that a couple can do when they first get together. But now you cite in this article, you say, uh, you talk about A Course in Miracles, and it says the first obstacle to peace is the desire to get rid of it. So can you just comment on how 
couples tend to fall into these habits of fighting and not being at peace. And this is what the Course says. When we have peace, we also have a desire to get rid of it. It's almost like we're addicted to conflict. Yeah, it's because it's unfamiliar, especially if you grew up in homes where there was fighting and conflict, then you tend to do what's familiar, and you're comfortable with what's familiar. So people uh, try to get rid of peace because they're not even comfortable with it. They're not used to it. That's the problem. And so after working on ourselves for a long time and doing a lot of liberation breathing, we again learn to love peace and to get used to it and have it be the familiar so that is what works is you have to change your attitude and make peace something that you love and that is familiar so you say in here that a couple who chooses peace instead of conflict establishes a deep spiritual connection and this is what you call spiritual intimacy can you comment a little bit on that what what is spiritual intimacy in this, this sort of quest to um, have peace instead of conflict? Well, I think we did some research on that once when we asked people what was important in spiritual intimacy. And they said, you know, communication and connection, I think, were the main things. And they put that above sex. Uh, communication and a strong connection. And was there another one? Um, I think spiritual intimacy was the third one. They wanted to have a spiritual life together. Well, those are the three things people yeah. want. And the spiritual intimacy is when you share your process, your spiritual development with each other. And that's a very intimate thing. Like some people are working on themselves and they go through a lot of changes and their mate doesn't even want to hear about it. Hmm. So that's not any intimacy when you're spiritually intimacy you share your spiritual growth with your mate and what you're going through and your changes and you celebrate uh, the good things that you get to well yeah everybody would like that happiness and joy and celebration but you know sometimes we have some kind of an upset and it might even be kind of a a, a major upset and then we have a memory of how we felt and we kind of hold a little bit of resentment toward our mate or our partner for those times where we weren't getting along so well and we're still in this kind of blame of, of our partner for making the situation up. So the next uh, in this three steps to more love in your life you say uh, forgiveness is the key to happiness and number two is forgive everyone to be free. So can you just talk a little bit about forgiveness and why that's so important? Well, first of all, one of my teachers said, keep no records of wrongdoing, which I think was a wonderful statement. So you don't want to hang on to the past. You want to keep letting go and you have to forgive in the moment, second by second. But you can't be using the old way of forgiveness in the old paradigm it was like this you did this terrible thing to me but because I'm so good I'm going to let you off the hook and therefore I'm superior and you're a jerk <laughs> that, that is yeah. the old, old way of forgiveness you know now the Course in Miracles huh. gives a new way of forgiveness you don't make the incident real you, you uh, re choose to remember only the good things you let go of the other things and you don't make them real you don't emphasize the mistakes you um, 
you know, you just see that you're, you had a part in that. Whatever happens, you had a part in creating that. And they say, you know, you are the one you live with. So whatever your mate is going through is a part of your own mind anyway. And if your mate is mistreating you, well, you must have needed to be mistreated and you attracted that. So blame is off the track. All blame is off the track. And um, we don't recommend blame at all. And anything that happens, you both have to look how you co-created it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we deal with people all the time who are having uh, difficulties in their relationships. And sometimes we see the relationship between their self-esteem uh, and how their partner treats them. Like people with kind of thoughts of low self-esteem will actually make up their partner treating them badly so they can confirm their low self-esteem. Yeah, especially if they have a thought, I'm unworthy or I'm not lovable, they'll create their partner not showing them love. They, they think I'm not worthy of love or I'm just unlovable. And then their partner will not love them, um, show them love, and then they get mad at their partner. But they're actually attracting that result with their thoughts. So it self-esteem is super important it, it's like you love yourself and you get that you deserve love because you're lovable and you're highly pleasing to yourself and you're worthy and I would say self-esteem is probably the number one thing you have to have in a relationship both each person has to have self-esteem so if you have thoughts like I'm bad you might even attract your partner punishing you or verbally abusing you or even physically abusing you so if you're attracting that, you must have some pretty heavy thoughts about yourself. Well, you make this statement in the article. You say, the way to forgive is to see that we attracted everything that comes our way to ourselves, and we are therefore responsible for manifesting it or attracting it. So would you even say the difficult things you attract to yourself? You attract everything to yourself. Well, let's just say you attract an angry partner. Right. So why did you attract an angry partner in your life? Why do you have that person? Because maybe your anger is suppressed and you're creating them acting it all out. That you, you can't. Or you are used to having a father or a mother who's really angry or a caregiver who's really angry. So that you have your mate set up as one of your parents and they're punishing you like your parents did with their anger. So why did you attract someone who is an angry person? That's, that's what we have to learn. Could it be that you feel guilty about something and you're making them be angry so you can be punished for your guilt? Right, because guilt does demand punishment. So... Guilt attracts punishment. So if you're guilty, you're going to get punished somehow. So would you say that anger and grievances and conflict um, all are related to guilt in some way? Well, uh, there's only two true emotions, love or fear. So um, anything like anger and guilt is not love. So it must be under the category of fear. Mm. And so... Um, you have to look at why. what are the thoughts that make you angry? What are the thoughts that make you guilty? And, you know, then you're in the um, ego, which is the separation from the divine. And that will never work. Yeah. You say love is impossible where there's no forgiveness. Right. 
how 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 is that because love and well when there's no forgiveness what is there there's anger right mm. and love and anger cannot coexist so you can't have love where there's anger and no forgiveness so would you say then you you make the statement forgive everyone to be free so would forgiveness be the main thing we can do for our own liberation Right, and that's what The Course in Miracles says, forgiveness is our function here on the planet. And when we forgive others, we, we also forgive ourselves, because what you give to others, you receive for yourself. If you don't forgive others, then you can't be forgiven yourself. Mm -hmm. So See, it, it's, it's really, forgiveness is a totally letting go. Letting go of the incident, letting go of your anger, letting go of your blame letting go of your desire to get even, just giving it all up. You say here, I, I am only hurt by my own thoughts and 100% responsibility is a must and this is the only real forgiveness, it's the only form that frees us from victimhood. Mm -hmm. So can you comment about that? Well, if I'm victim, that means uh, something happened to me that I had no responsible for and they did it to me. Therefore, they're to blame, and I'm innocent, and whatever happens is somebody else's fault. That's what a victim is. And if you're a victim, you cannot get enlightened, and you cannot learn anything. So to be outside of a victim is to take responsibility for everything that gets created in your space. And uh, The Course in Miracles makes that statement that... Um, you will attack what does not satisfy you to avoid seeing you created it. And I love that statement. What it means, attack means anger. So it's saying you're going to get angry at what you don't like instead of seeing how you created it. So that's everybody's pattern. I'm angry at what I don't like, and I'm doing that instead of looking at how did I create this. Mm. So that is a beautiful statement in the Course. Yeah, because some people say, well, I'm not angry, I'm just irritated. And then uh, they justify their anger. Yeah, anger is never justified, it says in the Course in Miracles, and Jesus means never. <laughs> you know, uh, they, some people say, well, I have a right to be angry because so-and-so ripped me off or stole my money or whatever. And the Course says, beware of the temptation to see yourself unfairly treated. And that, in other words, it's very tempting to say, I'm treated unfairly. But you have to beware of that. Be careful. That's not really what's going on. If somebody mistreats me, I attracted that. Okay, so let's just say you are taking responsibility for feeling anger. And some people will say, well, okay, but how do I get over my anger? And you, you offer this, you say your guru taught me a simple technique. Right. And then you list three points. So can you comment on that? Yeah, this is really good. And it is simple and it's very good. And, and you don't suppress your anger. That hurts your body. You don't dump it on someone else. That hurts them. And so what do you do with it? You have to handle it. So what you do is you locate the thought that causes the anger. Now, the way you and I have worked it out is we say, well, I'm feeling activated. That means, yes, I have a charge. I'm not suppressing it, but I'm not dumping it on you either. I'm feeling activated, which I do have a charge on this. The thought I have that's making me feel activated is, 
and then I express that. And then what that does is it dilutes the anger. You don't have to yell and scream or anything. But see, most people don't even realize their emotions come from thoughts. And, and isn't that taking responsibility when you say the negative thought I have that's making me feel activated is... I mean, aren't you kind of owning that? And yeah. then because you're owning it, you have the power to change it. Right, because you're saying, I created this anger with this thought. Yeah. And I can let go of this thought. I can see it differently. You know, I can see this differently. I can change this thought that affected me to feel charged. But you'd have to be not in the blame game to be able to play this little game you're talking about here. No, you can't be in blame at all, you know. <laughs> the blame is off the track. Because once you say the negative thought I have mm -hmm. that's making me feel activated, I mean, you can't say because you're an asshole. No. You have to say because I think that there's not enough to go around or, or we're wasting energy, leaving the lights on or whatever. But you have to own kind of your your activation point right uh, yeah anger is due to negative ego and you can't be enlightened when you're angry and it's very harmful to your body very harmful you know it leads to strokes it raises your blood pressure it ruins your uh your blood vessels it lowers your immune system it has all kinds of effects on your body and also spiritually it really puts you in a very low frequency very low so you you bring yourself down spiritually with anger and you can actually um, wipe out all the spiritual progress you made with your spiritual practices by having an anger attack yeah so you write in here uh, that we are willing to see things differently and I know that's a lesson from the Course in Miracles. I'm determined to see things differently. Mm -hmm. So would you say that this ability to see things differently is essential to forgiveness? Right. The one lesson is saying, I'm willing to see this differently. Instead of blaming you for whatever that I'm angry at, I'm willing to see that I had something to do with this happening in my life. That's seeing it differently. Okay, so then you go on to this next topic, the third topic. Now, this is kind of um, revolutionary. You say you use your breath to transform your life. Now, we all have to breathe. We're all breathing now as we're listening to this. So what do you mean, your, use your breath to transform your life? I mean, most people breathe to stay alive, and their life stays the same. So... What, what is this kind of breath you're talking about that will transform your life? Well, it's a conscious breathing where you breathe different than ordinary breathing. You lie down and you breathe in a circular smooth rhythm in the upper chest, pulling on the inhale, relaxing on the exhale and not pausing, and you're doing it consciously and you're focusing on inhaling God and exhaling everything unlike God. Or inhaling the good, exhaling the bad. Inhaling love, exhaling fear. And you breathe in this circle for a long time. And what happened, maybe an hour. And what happens is you receive divine energy and your cells get purified. And this is called liberation breathing, and you get liberated from many things. You get liberated from stress, you get liberated from pain, you get liberated from symptoms and disease. You can even get liberated from your birth trauma. You, know, you can get liberated from traumatic events in the past. 
You can get liberated from your anger. You can get liberated from your fear. You can get liberated from your guilt. There's so many benefits to doing this conscious connected breathing, but you have to lie down and practice it in a certain rhythm. It's not just like ordinary breathing. It's putting more energy on the inhale. The inhale gives you the energy and the exhale sets you free. And it's a spiritual practice. It's not therapy. It's spiritual purification. Okay, now, not to alienate some of our uh, atheist listeners, I mean, there are a lot of people when you say God or you say, um, you know, divine energy, they can't relate to that. But can we put it, can we frame it in a way, this breathing that everybody can get it and leave God out of the quotient? So, like... Would you say that this energy and the life force are the same thing? Yeah, you could use the word life force, certainly. You're taking in more prana, more life energy, Mm -hmm. if you want to say it that way. We've had atheists who have had sessions, and they got a lot out of it. So um, it works anyway, even if you're an atheist. (laughs) Okay. So it says your body gets rejuvenated with this energy Mm -hmm. when you breathe in a circular, smooth, deep, connected rhythm. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you just comment uh, how that works? And it also says you've been practicing this since 1974 when you called it rebirthing. Can you just comment a little bit um, Uh, how it started and why it was so powerful and what you noticed back then? Uh, Well, yes, when we first started doing this, in the 70s in California, we were studying how we could release our birth trauma. So that's how we, why we called it rebirthing. And uh, it worked fantastic, and we had dry rebirthing where you lie down on your couch or the floor or bed. And then we had wet rebirthing where you get in a uh, jacuzzi or redwood hot tub and you go with a snorkel and a nose nose plug and you roll up in the fetal position. So we had dry rebirthing and wet rebirthing and it just spread all over the world really fast. And then, you know, later we were guided to um, incorporate uh, working with the Divine Mother and our masters in India told us to uh, say these prayers at the end to the Divine Mother and it makes it more powerful and we were told to call that liberation breathing. It's still the same rebirthing breath, but it's a new expression of rebirthing, liberation breathing is. So you talk in here about clearing your subconscious. So um, what would you say, and you also use this term birth trauma. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is in your subconscious about birth trauma? And, And how does the breath clear that? Well, Everybody has a birth trauma that went through a normal birth, and then some people have a worse birth trauma if they had forceps, or if they were a preemie, or if they were cesarean, or they had something else happen. But even a normal birth, there's a lot of trauma, and basically what happens is the doctor cut the cord too fast, the baby's choking on the amniotic fluid, then they turned it upside down and slapped it to get the amniotic fluid out, and this was very traumatic to babies, and um, so... Most people were born that way, and now it's starting to change. You know, they have underwater birth and quiet birth, fortunately, and so there's not as much birth trauma today as there used to be when we grew up. So would you say the first experience out of the womb was something that was, like, 
kind of scary and painful and traumatic. Yeah, worse than that, it was kind of a hell because then they <laughs> they hit you. First of all, they hit you and you come here, and then who wants that? And then they stick all these needles in you and everything, and then they take you away and stick you in the nursery away from your mother. Well, no wonder people think that life is hard. Right. It's and, full of pain and suffering. Yeah, and the people form <laughs> pre-verbal thoughts right there. And the way we clear this is we can get down to the pre-verbal thoughts that baby formed right at birth that are stuck in their subconscious. And is that why you called it rebirthing in right. the beginning that of, of it? That is why we call it rebirthing, because yeah. we were interested in looking at birth trauma. And then we found out this breath work can do a lot more than just work on your birth trauma. It's also very healing to the body. Mm -hmm. So then we started studying spiritual healing, and I was very active in working on that aspect. So you say that liberation breathing, which is the name you're giving this breath work now, um, you make a, a lot of claims here, like that it can liberate you from your birth trauma, tension and pain in the body, negative thoughts and patterns, symptoms, disease, fears of failure, fears in general, guilt, anger, parental disapproval syndrome, doubt, uncertainty, inability to take action, misery, depression, programmings about old age, unconscious death urge, and unexamined past life scenarios replaying. Yeah. So, I mean, those are that's a pretty strong claim that you can free people from well, all these I negative have, things. Well, I have seen over the years those, many people getting free of those things over and over and over. And so the, that's real. I'm not making that up. I'm not exaggerating one iota. I have seen those. I have seen clients get free of all those things over the years and more even. So I can stand behind that statement totally. So you say here liberation breathing is for everyone, so it's obviously not an esoteric or a, or a special kind of thing that you have to study for years and years. It says everybody can benefit from this, so can you comment on that, how, how people can benefit? Yeah, I mean, everybody has these traumas. Everybody has a birth trauma, everybody has a syndrome of disapproval from their parents, everybody has programming on death, everybody has some symptoms, and so it, it works for all these cases and all ages. I mean, uh, we wouldn't rebirth children because they don't have an attention span. We would start when they were like 10 or 11 if we were going to do children. Mm. Um, but people in their 70s, we've done them, uh, you know, and well, the main thing is we consider this a lifelong spiritual path, you know, you don't just have two sessions and you're done. It's also an ascension process, you go to a higher frequency, so uh, ascension is a lifelong spiritual path, and you know, I'm happy to say that this is a wonderful spiritual path. Can you just uh, describe what a liberation breathing session looks like for the people out there? I mean, what can they expect to experience when they well, say, okay, I'm going to try this? What does it look like? Well, I mean, you have them, like, if you know, now we have to do it on Skype and uh, Zoom because of the virus, so we're not going to people's homes, but we used to visit people in their homes, or they used to come to our homes, and we would do it in a, on the floor on a mat or a, in the bedroom or whatever, uh, in a safe place. And first they would have uh, an interview by us. We would ask them 
a lot of questions about their history, uh, their birth, their childhood, any traumas, traumas, accidents, illnesses, abuses, and so on. Uh, their relationship history, their health history, you know, and what their parents were like. We ask all these questions, so then we know a lot about them. Then we start looking at some of their negative thoughts uh, they have about life, about uh, the opposite sex, about relationships, and mainly about themselves. And so then we know what things they need to clear. And we also test them on what level of forgiveness they have on their family. And after we do this long interview, then they would lie down and breathe for like 45 minutes straight. And they can tell us if something comes up. They might get a lot of energy in their body. They might feel tingling and vibration, which means it's working. It means they're releasing stuff and new energy is coming in. And then at the end, we would do uh, the Divine Mother prayers for them, 108 names of the Divine Mother. And then we would have them turn on their side and we would do a special mantra that's very powerful for them. So that's kind of what liberation breathing looks like for a private session. Now we have done this in groups and during seminars and uh, that works really well too because then they can release anything that came up in the seminar. They're not stuck in their bodies with the stuff that comes up. So you're giving... Uh... Excuse me. You're giving these group sessions over Zoom, and you're also giving private sessions over Zoom, one-on-one. Right. Yeah, and that's working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for you people out there who would like to try this, you can go to our website, uh, sandra.com, and book a liberation breathing session. And the quick link for that is bit.ly forward slash capital L, capital B, capital S, then lowercase e-s-s-i-o-n. It's L-B session with capital L-B-S, lowercase the rest. So that's bit.ly forward slash L-B session. And, uh, well, thank you, Sandra yeah, Ray. Thank you. So this has been very enlightening. Um, I hope people uh, visit our podcasts more often, and this is just the beginning. And thank you for sharing these three steps to more love in your relationship. Okay.